Highland Falls, El Paso, Clarksville, Watertown, and from other important military capitals around the globe. Eye on Defense brings the top military and defense issues into focus. Eye on Defense is proudly sponsored by Big Sarge Pre-Owned TA-50 Emporium and The Last Hope Jewelry and Pawn. And now, citizens of Earth, brace yourselves for the next episode of Eye on Defense. Defense, 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 defense. All right, we're back, everybody. Episode 29. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Um, going to clean up some stories that I wanted to get to the other day, but didn't have time. There was too much of the other stories that took more than 30 minutes. So definitely wanted to tackle these stories and be done in under 30 minutes. Uh, so before we get that going, I remind everybody that we are on Twitter and our Twitter handle is at defense underscore podcasts. If you can possibly find the time, check us out on Twitter. So a couple stories. Um, we'll talk about I think it was the last episode we talked about the number of brigade combat teams in the U.S. Army. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they were 58, 34 IBCTs, 16 ABCTs, and 8 strikers. And now some of those are in the National Guard as well. And the reason why that's kind of a – why that's important, it's kind of based on world events, is uh, for – the ABCTs, there's only 16 of them. I think there's 11 in the active duty and five in the uh, National Guard. And they've had a standing rotation to Korea and uh, Europe. So that means there's always an ABCT, Armored Brigade Combat Team, in Korea, and there's always one in Europe. They're not permanently assigned. They are rotated in. And because of what's going on in Ukraine, uh I think back in February, March, uh, the President of the United States said, hey, we're going to send another Armored Brigade combat team over there to Europe. So since February, March, I think maybe March, we've had two, the United States has had two Armored Brigade combat teams uh, in Europe and one in Korea. But because I think the operation tempo, the op tempo they call it, is kind of high, the Army has decided to not send a brigade combat team to um, Korea and replace that with a striker brigade. So you're going to have a striker brigade in Korea from now on, at least in the near term. And again, there are eight striker brigades that will fill that role. Uh, I think it's um, six in the active duty and two in the National Guard. And it looks like the uh, armored brigade combat teams will be sending two to Europe from now on, at least in the near term. And also, big news is the Fifth Corps. Uh, which is, was stationed at Fort Knox, Kentucky. It was reactivated a couple of years ago. They've been operating out of Europe in Poland, and it looks like they are going to be permanently assigned in Poland. So I think it's the first time U.S. troops has ever been permanently assigned in Poland. So we have a garrison there now, which is kind of uh, big news. And a lot of this stuff came out from the 2022 NATO uh, summit in Madrid. And this is from the White House release uh, released on 29 June 2022. Some of the highlights concerning what I just talked about are uh, President Biden announced uh, that the United States will take up the following actions to strengthen NATO's deterrence and defense and Europe, NATO's deterrence and defense and European security. 
doesn't make sense. First thing is establishing of permanent 5th Corps headquarters, Ford Command Post in Poland, which will improve U.S.-NATO interoperability across the eastern flank. Commitment to maintaining an additional brigade combat team in Europe. Uh, it doesn't say armored brigade, but we know it's going to be armored, which will, the United States will position in Romania with the ability to deploy subordinate elements for training exercises across the eastern flank. And then it goes into some other things. An agreement to work with Spain to increase the number of U.S. destroyers stationed in Rota from four to six. Uh, two squadrons of F-35s to the United Kingdom. Stationing of additional air defense and other enablers to Germany and Italy. And, of course, I think this happened a while ago, a few a few weeks ago, is uh, Finland and Sweden are going to join NATO. So, uh, you know, all that stuff is happening, you know, with a quickness, a lot quicker than it probably normally would uh, based on the circumstances. So kind of big news. Um, striker brigades now go to Korea and two armored brigades in Europe. And to kind of follow up about the Korea uh, rotational force, uh, that was from a 30 June 22 Department of Defense release. Uh, the name of the release is, <clears throat> excuse me, Army announces Korea rotational force transition. Department of the Army announced today, 30 June, that beginning in fall of 2022, the Korea rotational force will transition from an armored brigade combat team to a striker brigade combat team. This transition will enable the U.S. to maintain capabilities on the Korean peninsula to rapidly respond to any acts of aggression. And in case you forgot, uh, Stryker is kind of a medium force that uses the Stryker vehicle. Um, the release goes on to say the Stryker Brigade is an infantry-centric unit with over 4,400 soldiers who offer speed, efficiency, increased mobility, and strategic flexibility to senior commanders. The existing ABCT equipment, which includes the M1 tank, the M2 Bradley fighting vehicle, will be maintained on the Korean Peninsula in a ready state to further ensure a robust defense capability now the striker brigade is true it is a infantry centric uh formation um i think the striker has a driver and a striker commander and then nine soldiers in the back which is the size of an infantry squad a u.s infantry squad united states army infantry squad the marines are a little bigger but the army runs a nine-man squad so Every squad has a striker vehicle. So even though they are a mounted force, um, they maintain a kind of a light infantry ethic. Uh, they, they maintain a light infantry mindset. Uh, the, the striker is a platform. That, it is a firepower platform. Um, but I think if you talk to a soldier in a striker brigade, they think themselves as, as an infantry soldier first, and then the platform is something that comes second. Uh, that's kind of a culture thing, but uh, anyway, striker brigades are very good brigades, and the soldiers that use the striker seem to like it a lot. So that's the follow-up on where we got the information on the uh, Korea and the striker brigades. And while we're on the subject uh, about DOD releases, we might as well talk about a DOD fact sheet from the uh, Department of Defense dated 29. Uh, June, and this one's called Fact Sheet U.S. Defense Contributions to Europe. And it gets in a little more detail. Um, it kind of goes, let's see, here we go. 
Our response, including dispersed forces already in Europe to bolter NATO's eastern flank, include the deployment of an attack aviation uh, unit from Germany to Lithuania, an airborne infantry battalion from Italy to Latvia, elements from a striker brigade combat team from Germany, which is the 2nd Cavalry Regiment, dispersed to Romania, Bulgaria, and Hungary, Patriot batteries from Germany to Slovakia and Poland, and F-15 from UK to Poland. Uh, those are just some little deployments internally. So since February 2022, the U.S. has deployed or extended over 20,000 additional members to Europe, additional forces to Europe, and respond to the Ukraine crisis. And, of course, we know this includes uh, a Marine Expeditionary Force, a Corps headquarters, which is the 5th Corps, a division headquarters, which at the time was the 82nd Airborne Division, um, an infantry brigade combat team, uh, an armored brigade combat team, a high Mars battalion, and other enablers. In, exist, in, it, in addition to the existing core forward command post uh, and three base, BCTs already stationed or deployed to Europe. So 20,000 troops were plussed up, and they've maintained that. In fact, uh, there's another story about who's being replaced, and we'll get into that in just one second. They kind of go into a few more details in this release. It says, in Poland, we will permanently forward a forward station, the V Corps, 5th Corps, headquarters, an Army garrison, and a field support battalion. Uh, these forces, the first permanent forces, U.S. forces on NATO's, NATO's eastern flank, will improve our command and control capabilities. The United States will continue to maintain, seek to enhance the substantial, substantial rotational force presence in Poland, including an armored brigade combat team, which we just talked about, a combat aviation brigade element, a division headquarters element, which enables the DOD to deploy combat forces up and down the eastern flank. And I assume that division headquarters will be brought in and out with the rotational brigade. That's what I assume. Uh, in Romania, the United States will position a rotational brigade combat team, uh, thus, I love that word, thus maintaining an additional brigade on the eastern flank compared to our January 22 posture, which means there was only one brigade com armored brigade combat team in, prior to January 2022. Now there will be two there, one's in Romania and one's in Poland. And that's about all I want to talk about. I think we already covered all the other stuff. All right. Be interesting to see. Now, we've talked about this before, that in Germany, uh, there are three brigades. Uh, I'm sorry, two, two brigades permanently in Germany. There's 173rd Airborne Brigade in Italy, and there's a 2nd Cavalry Regiment up in Germany. And then they've been adding this armored brigade for a while now. So you've had three brigades in Germany. But there's no division headquarters in Germany. You have this U.S. Army Europe uh, which has kind of been running the show, similar to what you had in Alaska. You remember we talked about this before, and in Alaska you had two brigades up there, um, and they were there was no division headquarters. It was two brigades, and they were being led by U.S. Army Alaska. And the Army has decided to put the 11th Airborne Division up there, change the uh, U.S. Army Alaska to a division headquarters, which is smart. And I'm wondering if they're going to do that now. Um, put in a division headquarters in Germany, finally. Uh, it would make sense to, but we'll see. We'll see if they do that. And when it comes down to the rotational forces, uh, you know, those, the soldiers were deployed back in March or April, 
and now here it is July. So it's about time for those uh, soldiers to rotate back. So the Army has already done started that process, and we'll get to that in just one second. Let me pull it up. So we know we talked about there's been around 100,000 soldiers or 100,000 U.S. forces in, in, uh, in Europe. And they decided back in May that, hey, we're going to rotate uh, some of these out. And I think now it's just happening. But they had made the announcement a couple of months ago to give everybody time. So we know that the 82nd headquarters went over there. Uh, I think it was back in March or April, whenever it was. So now the 101st Airborne Division out of Fort Campbell is probably already done. They're replacing the 82nd. So 82nd Airborne uh, Division headquarters goes home, and 101st Airborne Division headquarters comes in. It's about 500 soldiers. Also, uh, that 3rd Brigade out of the 82nd Airborne is going home, and they are being replaced by the 2nd Brigade of 101st, kind of a one-for-one, about 4,200 soldiers. So 80, 80 deuce Headquarters and 3rd Brigade go back to Bragg, and from 101st Fort Campbell come the division headquarters and 2nd Brigade. 502nd Infantry is the 2nd Brigade, or it used to be. I think they got two battalions of the 502nd and then some other some other battalion. And then let's talk about the uh, Armored Brigade. So the 1st first br- first Armored Brigade, 3rd ID, 3rd Infantry Division out of Fort Stewart, uh, they went over back in March. And they are going home, and they will be replaced by 3rd Brigade out of the 1st Cavalry Division, Fort Hood, Texas, the first team. And then then they talk about an aviation brigade. So the 1st Armored Division Combat Combat Aviation Brigade from Fort Bliss will replace the 1st Air Cavalry Brigade out of Fort Hood. Again, these are not permanent moves. They are just replacing what's already there. And speaking of Fort Stewart, because we just mentioned... 1st Brigade out of 3rd Infantry Division. If you're ever at Fort Stewart, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're ever at Fort Stewart, go out the gate. There's a sub shop there called Baldino's. Man, it's excellent. Every time I go to Fort Stewart, I stop in there. Okay, enough talking about that. All right, so we're at 14 minutes. I could stop here, but I'm going to push on and do one more story. It won't take long. It's by Jen Judson from Defense News, who Jen Judson is probably, you can't find a better defense uh, journalist out there. She's fantastic. She does, uh, I guess she's on the OMFV beat, which is the optionally manned fighting vehicle, uh, which is a U.S. Army effort. You know, we've got the six modernization priorities. One of them is next generation combat vehicle. Uh, they are, that effort is run by uh, the cross-functional team, next generation combat vehicle. They're out of Detroit Arsenal in Michigan. They've had some wins here lately. Uh, they just got done with the – just got done. They just made some big news with the MPF. They just picked General Dynamics, the mobile protective firepower. I think they're moving on with the uh, infantry squad vehicle. Uh, did we do a story about that? Yes, we did. We did do a story about the infantry squad vehicle. Uh, there was some sort of uh, joint test command that was uh, talking about how the infantry squad vehicle is not armored and doesn't have a weapons platform. Um, which, to be fair, the requirement never asked for it. So when the the contractor built it, uh, they didn't put those stuff in there. But anyway, I digress. Um, what else they got? So they got ISV. They got uh, next generation combat vehicle. Uh, I'm sorry, the next generation combat vehicle CFT has uh, a robotic combat vehicle, which is moving along. The uh, 
the Amp V, which I believe is being tested or being messed with somewhere, I think down in Fort Stewart. And then now we got this optionally man-finding vehicle, which supposedly is going to be the replacement for the Bradley fighting vehicle. And, you know, the Bradley fighting vehicle is the infantry fighting vehicle in all the 16 brigade combat teams, the armored brigade combat teams. It's been around since the 80s. Um, it's kind of like the striker. I mean, the crews that are on the Bradley love it. And um, they've improved it over the years, and it's a, and it's a tough little machine. It's a very good vehicle. and uh, But anyway, they want to replace it because it's been around a bit. And so that's one of the um, the efforts, the optionally manned fighting vehicle. And Jen Judson, is, uh, she's written two good articles. The first one is from Friday, July 1st, Competition to Replace Bradley Vehicles Enters Design and Prototype Phase. And in the article, she says that the Army has awarded contracts last year to five teams to build preliminary designs. Uh, number one is Point Blank Enterprises. Number two is Oshkosh Defense. Number three is BAE Systems. Number four, General Dynamics Land Systems, who's involved in everything. And number five is American Rheinmetall Vehicles. And the article says, starting out with nine characteristics, industry teams, which we just named, has, have been coming up with design options over the course of the past 12 months and continuously revive them. Remember the 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 nine characteristics. I'd like to see what they are. Do you remember from uh, the last episode we did um, desired characteristics? That's what it's called. They're not, you know, hard and fast threshold and objective requirements. They're desired characteristics, which gives, um, it gives the requirements people some wiggle room. It gives the material developer wiggle room and it gives the contractor wiggle room to find out what, what technology is out there and, uh, and what can be done? It's kind of a good system. So anyway, uh, you'll see that uh, all these uh, modernization priority programs, um, like the one we just talked about uh, yesterday, uh, the uh, close combat missile system heavy, and now obviously the optionally manned fighting vehicle, uh, OMFV, uh, they're kind of operating on this... Uh, Desired characteristic system. It just gives more flexibility and, and lets you get after what you're getting after, I think, in a smart way. So moving on, we'll cherry pick some of this stuff that we want to talk about. Um, the Army says it wants to track vehicle considered a medium weight, which they say medium weight is between 40 and 50 tons, and at least has a 30-millimeter cannon with an objective requirement. A 50 millimeter cannon. Well, there I went and said there's no objective requirements and threshold requirements, but I just read you one. So, desired characteristics, I guess, would be between 30 millimeter and 50 millimeter gun. Okay, what else? Uh, the vehicle would accommodate a two person crew with six dismounted infantry, which is the same thing the Bradley holds. I think the Bradley, they put six soldiers in the back of that thing now. Balance with greater application of autonomy on the platform. The entire platform should be used or sh will be built using a modular open systems architecture. That's an acronym called MOSA. And I think what that does is um, it lets it be in a network. It can be networked in, for example, we were just talking about the close combat missile system heavy. And if this thing has a, a MOSA or modular 
uh, open systems architecture. Maybe if uh, another vehicle nearby fires one of these close combat missiles, this this uh, vehicle, optionally manned fighting vehicle, could control it, or it could do a handover. It could fire one, hand it over to another vehicle. That's kind of what they mean by that. It's all that uh, shooter to sensor uh, network. And, okay, the Army wants a silent watch and a silent mobility capability, meaning the vehicle can move with the engine off, which translates the need for a hybrid electric solution. All five teams designed a hybrid electric vehicle during the last phase. So all five of those contractors that we just talked about, their, their prototype is probably going to be hybrid which is kind of a big deal, big deal for a tactical vehicle. So the de- design phase for this project is going to happen in FY 2023 and 2024. The prototyping will begin in FY 2025. The Army plans to choose three teams in the third quarter of FY 23. So three of the five will be selected. They're going to build up to 11 prototypes, two ballistic hulls and turrets, and provide digital engineering data. The Army expects to select in the fourth quarter of uh, 2027 one company. They're going to down-select down to one company in fourth quarter 2027 to build a low-rate production, LRIP. And the first unit equipped is planned for FY29, and FRP full-rate production is expected to begin in 2030. So it's 2022 now. They've got seven years for first unit equipped and eight years for full-rate production. And that's another good article by Jen Judson. So we've caught you up to date on the latest troop movements, uh, striker brigades to Korea, uh, V Corps, Fifth Corps uh, to uh, Poland, and the optionally manned fighting vehicle updates and timeline. So I think that's it. I think we're going to be done pretty early. Uh, kind of a pull the curtain back just a touch here, just a touch. This show's not about me. It's about the content, but... Just so you know, sometimes I make a lot of mistakes on this show. Um, you know, Honest Broker here, I'm terrible at editing. I use a software called Audacity. It's uh, what you record on, and then you're supposed to cover up your mistakes and your coughs and your if you use a swear word or whatever, but I'm horrible with it. So basically what you're getting is kind of a live show. And uh, sometimes I make a mistake. Like I said, yesterday the uh, U.S. contribution to Ukraine was six point. $8 million, and then, you know, two minutes earlier, I said we just, the United States just gave an $800 million package. So anyway, obviously, I'm at $6.8 billion, but I make some mistakes like that, and I try to correct them uh, on the next show or the following show. So sometimes I, I catch it, and sometimes I don't. Anyway, I just wanted to pull the curtain back just a touch so you could see what how I how the show works behind the scenes, and that's probably enough of that. So 23 minutes, we are definitely going to be – probably the best defense commentary in under 30 minutes in the world. Um, don't forget to check us out on Twitter uh, at defense underscore podcast. Uh, we tweet every day, usually every day. And uh, if we release an episode, we'll put say, hey, we've released an episode. Uh, come check it out. So we appreciate all the listeners, uh, the old time listeners and the new listeners, the international listeners and the domestic listeners. You know, friends out in California, uh, the international listeners in uh, England and uh, Norway and all over the world. So anyway, if you're listening, we appreciate it. Tell your friends. uh, Come back. Anyway, it's always a pleasure to have you.
So 23 minutes and 51 seconds. Get out there and enjoy life. Get out there with your uh, backpack on. Go to the gym. Take a bike ride. Tour de France is on. Uh, third stage is done. Fourth stage starts tomorrow. Uh, they were in Denmark, I think. And the people in Denmark put on a great show. Uh, they were just the greatest fans. So uh, Tour de France, stage four tomorrow. Get out there and ride your bike. Uh, get some fresh air. Get some sunshine and enjoy life. So I think that's it. Episode 29 is in the books. Thank you very much and good night.